If you want to turn to Luke chapter 1, and I'll be reading from before what I read earlier this morning. I'm going to start in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1 and read down to verse 35. Verse 26 begins, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. In my other job, I write stories, <clears throat> I write about ministries, and I write, about a couple, I write for a couple of military magazines, and I want to share just a bit of a story from one of the ministries that I was able to write a story for. There's a group of Christians in Boston, and one of them started, you know, felt like this group would be great as a church. So they are a church called The Table. And what they do and kind of how they live as a church approaches what Luke talked about here today, what I read to you. This group of Christians at The Table, they basically they develop tight relationships with people close to them so that these people who are far from God, far from church, would probably never go to a church still get to encounter a Jesus, but not at a Sunday service. And it's not because they disagree with Sunday services or they wouldn't invite people to Sunday services or anything like that. They have no, I mean, they have a Sunday service, but they recognize there's lots of people that they're friends with, people who live on their street, people in their community, people with hobbies who wouldn't come. And so they say, we're going to live out our faith seven days a week. And these disciples at the table, these Christians, they are equipped and intentional to form relationships wherever they can, whatever is going on in their life, whoever they know. And as I wrote this story, I, I, I talked to the pastor, but then I called somebody who went to the church, and her name was Molly, or is Molly Warner. And Molly said, I'm a dietitian, not trained in the pastorate. And she goes on to say, but I'm being encouraged, valued, and supported as someone who can do the work that God is calling me to do. And you'll notice in verse 26 to 28 of Luke 1 that God reaches out. He seeks a person. He goes to Mary. He sends Gabriel to Mary. He has a message for her. He has a purpose for her. He speaks to her about her life and the part that she can play in what he's doing. And if, if you think creatively, if you get outside the box for a minute, if you imagine today that God came to earth and he was young enough and he was a human looking for a career, he could take one of these career choice assessments, one of these kind of vocational aptitude tests. I feel like God would turn out, you know, some of the results would say you'd be really good at door-to-door -door sales or you'd be really good at a, as a foreign diplomat. What we're going to do is, you know, train you. You're from our country. We'll send you to other countries. Or you can work for our business. We'll train you in the ways of our business. You can go door-to-door, -door, build relationships with people, help them use our products. He's both of those workers rolled into one, in a sense. 
not because he's out to make money and not because he's into rep reflecting one particular government. He's got both because his heart is to love us and to give us new lives. And he goes out. He's got this outward orientation. And what ends up happening as we look at Mary's life and any other life in Scripture that you want to think about is God's initiative comes to us. What happened to Mary is just a reflection of that. But his initiative comes to us. Then his desires work in us. And then his initiative can go to other people. His desires can happen in other people's lives. Now, before that happens, though, a lot of us feel like Mary in verse 29. It says, she was very perplexed. And she kept pondering what kind of salutation or greeting. It's just a fancy word for greeting. What, what is going on? And it amazed me this week to, again, be like, here's another person that knows God, knows something about him, but is also a little perplexed. Like, what exactly are you doing here? What, who, who, you know, what, what exactly have you brought me into? And it's just proof, again, that when you have faith in God, you're left with some risk. You're left with some curiosities. You're left with a sense of mystery. You're kind of like, I'm not so sure what you're doing, God. <laughs> Emilio talked last week about announcement and preparation and fulfillment. He kind of laid this out as this idea that in his own life, God had an announcement of his purpose for Emilio's life. And then there was a, sounded like a pretty long stretch, sounded like a short announcement that was, you know, pretty clear and strong. And then there was a long section of preparation, and now he's in a section of fulfillment. We see that play out in Mary's life. There's the announcement. She has a role in God's plan for a savior. There's the preparation, which includes her question, how can this be? And then there's, after that preparation, there's fulfillment. Christ himself starts his ministry. He becomes an adult. He eventually ends his ministry, and he says, it is finished. And I have to turn aside for a minute. Mostly we are going to spend time reflecting on how this applies to our lives, but I have to turn aside for a minute and just say, there's no birth like the birth of Jesus. I just don't want us to miss this reality that what happened in Mary's life has never happened before and will never happen again. But the scripture includes two, cre two key phases that still apply to you and me. Number one, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's what it said to Mary. I think it says it to us this morning. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The presence of the Spirit, the power of God, did a very specific, very wonderful work in Mary's life. That won't happen again for you or for me. That's not part of what the plan is for us. But for us, the spirit and God's power can leave us saying, how can this be since I am a fill in the blank for yourself? How can this be since I'm, I'm just a, right? How can this be? It's still true today because it's the work of God in us. His powerful, wise, creative transformation can do something in us that left us starting out going, how can this be? But we have to at some point say, the fulfillment has come. His power has overshadowed me. I am changed. God's power, God's method, God's greatness, God's reliability left me no different than Mary. I had something happen in my life. The message, in a sense, is to, to put on flesh. And I'll explain more of this in a minute because I know that sounds strange. We all have skin, so what's that mean? But we're just, at this point, wondering how can the impossible become possible? Well, God's spirit and God's power overshadow you. By the way, I didn't use like a sophisticated digital tool on my computer. That wasn't like, let me find some person who's got a dramatic life change. I'll Google that and out pops Luke chapter one. 
the reality is throughout scripture, there's all these people with questions and the realities of their life. And they're like, I'm trusting God, but I'm kind of, I don't know, mysteries. Because that's Mary's reality. This angel shows up and says, greetings, highly favored. All this good stuff. And she's going, I'm perplexed. I'm pondering. I'm afraid. The angel says, you've found favor with God. If we have those kind of moments, even if none of us have an angel show up on our doorstep or in our living room this afternoon, if we have these kind of moments, it leaves us wondering, how can the Holy Spirit overshadow our inadequacies and our inabilities? Well, just like Mary, God is setting up and is working in your life so he can do a work through your life. You'll meet people who are somewhere between heaven and hell as you go around your life this week. That's the nature of life. They're somewhere between the two. When I was growing up down south, People always thought the solution to this massive spiritual dilemma was to go meet the pastor. I don't know if that exists here or not. I imagine it's not quite as common of a response. But down south, it was always like, well, you know, we'll just go take you to the pastor. That's, that's, he can figure this thing out. We'll just bring you to church. That'll fix everything. We have no idea what the sermon is. We have no idea if anybody's ready. But we're bringing you to church. And in the process, we'll go. And I've had these kind of things where you go down front and you, like, meet the pastor. And sometimes they're friendly, but they don't do anything. And sometimes they're just like, awkward because they're like I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do I'm just a human being down here after you know it's like what is going on well somebody can not come to church and and they can come to church and they can grow and they can find next steps but it may not be the way that it goes because first Peter chapter 2 which I won't you, you can go there later and read it but first Peter chapter 2 says that every Christian is a priest which is a little bit to get our head around because we're thinking, well, now isn't like a priest a job and you wear a robe and you, you know, you're in church and you got like jobs to do. Priests have like light, you know, they, I don't know, they like candles or they, you know, we get things we got like this. I have like a 21st century picture of a priest in my head. But first Peter is saying that priests are people who help other people connect with God. They help people just sort of understand who Jesus is and like, Take a step toward Jesus. Take any step toward Jesus. Take some step. But a priest is just a person between a person and God and kind of helping them move in God's direction. Consider, if you want a picture of this that's from that time period, not from today, consider Jesus at the well with a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. Do you know what his first words are? Give me a drink. Give me a drink. He talks about being thirsty and he asks for a drink. If I'm around people that don't go to church or people that are not Christians or I'm not sure if they're Christian or don't even know what we're talking about, I find it hard to do what Jesus did, which is to say, hey, let's talk about something normal. <laughs> I'm thirsty right now. <laughs> like I get all this pressure on myself mentally like, oh, I don't know. Should I like have like, um, man, what's, you know, I could just talk to him. I could just start with where I am, start with who I am. That's why I said earlier, put on flesh. Jesus didn't turn into a bossy spiritual leader with this woman at the well and say, I know what you need. Let's cut right to the chase. You have had a lot of men in your life, and we need to straighten that mess out right now. And I am at the well, and we can fix it. Seven minutes. This is what I do. This is what I do. Listen to me. No, nobody likes to be talked to like that. I don't want a spiritual leader in my life who acts like, you know, Okay, transaction, you got nine minutes, I got your problem solved. No, no. I hate when people do that. Jesus says, give me a drink of water. She's at the well, she has the bucket. He doesn't have the bucket or the contraption, whatever, however they did it. He's thirsty, she can give him water, he asks for it. He does something very normal because he is normal. 
He's thirsty on a hot day. And even more surprisingly, he asks for it from a person that would have totally shocked the people of his day and time. It's like he wouldn't associate with her if he was playing by the rules of his day and his time, but he does because he's getting incarnational, he's, which literally in, I think, Latin, it means put on flesh, you know, put on skin, which is this idea that he had to do literally because he was God. But in our case, it just means don't be weird. <laughs> Jesus wasn't like, okay, I'm at the well. She comes up. Would you be interested in some real estate? I've got a nice one-acre lot outside of Jerusalem. She's from Samaria. She doesn't want to, that's weird. He just says, let's talk about water. Let's talk about being thirsty because that's why we're both here, right? We don't need to talk about real estate. Don't need to tell you about Jewish music or something. Like it just, how can we be that kind of person? How do we start out like he did? How do we follow his example here? Well, we start with our humanity. We start with somebody else's humanity. We mourn with people who mourn. We rejoice with people who rejoice. We dialogue, ask their story honor their pain, celebrate their success. They're having the greatest week of their life. Say, I think that's awesome. If they're having the worst week of their life, oh, I wish it was different for you. I'm sorry. Just begin. You can make gospel connections with their life. And what I mean by that is look for places where God's power or God's character, his love, his goodness, whatever it is, look for those places where who God is and the kind of things that God does connects with that person's life. If that's true for you, you can share a story of forgiveness, of love, of joy, of hope, of sorrow, of struggle, of grit. I run out of direct objects to say that you might have because you've got things you can share. And all those things are your way of saying, I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. Let's be humans. Let's talk about normal things. People may not choose Christ as Lord like that. Right there. Boom. They might. I don't know. But they'll at least probably have a chance to take a step because you're having that little bit of human conversation with them. You can put on flesh. You can fit in with people. There's this thing right now that's, I guess I'll just say cool on social media. It's a new word made up to be an influencer. You develop an identity on social media. You become an influencer because thousands of people or tens of thousands or even millions will watch your video or like what you're doing. You get a, you're an influencer at that point. And then companies are like, oh, if they wore our shoes or drank our drink or whatever, because they're an influencer, they'll get people to sell our stuff for us basically. This is the opposite of that. I think people see right through that. We're not trying to get thousands of likes. If we can get thousands of people to follow Jesus, amen, hallelujah. By all means, do it. I'm just saying that's just clicks. You know, that's just this like digital engagement that might manifest itself with money spent or something like that. But in the power of the spirit, Christ can change lives through us. We can put on flesh, not just be an influencer. We can be an incarnational presence of God to people so that he can do things to change their lives. This week, I talked to a man at a market. It was a grocery store, and outside the grocery store, they'd like set up basically like a patio, like nice chairs out there. They had cheese dip and crackers, and I'm like, you know, growing up, but I'm like, well, I'm going to sit here for a second with cheese dip and crackers. And so I'm having these conversations. Well, somehow, long story short, I end up with a guy, in a conversation with a guy. We're talking about the woman at the well, like I just did a minute ago. As we talk about that, bizarre even, you know, to get in this conversation at the grocery store, but it happens somehow. As I'm talking about that interaction, I'm saying, well, yeah, he had this natural conversation with her. This guy goes, yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah, but that was Jesus. As if he had like some magic spiritual lever that he could like pull in social situations and be like, oh, well, I see my moment. You know, he's on the clock, right? He's a professional. He's like four minutes, pull the lever, got her, right? Ding. No, 
He doesn't have some magic spiritual lever. He doesn't have some like psychological influential trick to like get her to go, boom, this is the moment to open up. Luke chapter 1, 34, which we read, says this. She, or sorry, she asks, you know, how can this be? She's working through it. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And it made the impossible possible. Like the Holy Spirit was active in Jesus' life, even as a child. Acts 10, 38, which is written by the same person, Luke, but a long time later after the life of Christ, Luke comes back around. And in chapter 10 of Acts, Luke says this, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. The Holy Spirit helped him. God's power was active in his life. Same can be true for you. Same can be true for me. The incarnation is so radical sounding, the idea that God would take on flesh and be born in the form of a human. But from a life perspective, it's actually not that radical for us. It's being who you already are with the Spirit's help, what we do is we put on flesh, because I say that we put on flesh, if you're a believer, you've already put on the Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. But what we got to do is kind of flip that around and start being with people or keep being with people or just realize, like, I'm with somebody right now. Can I be real in this moment? Can I say I'm thirsty? Can I, like, ask if they're thirsty? What can I do to honestly engage them? Now, none of us will be terrible at this, just to, like, lower the bar down to reality. We're not going to be terrible about this as long as we're loving people like we'd like to be loved, treat people like we'd like to be treated. That won't be that hard because, honestly, you already have authenticity and credibility and connections with particular people. That's who you already connect with. You've already got trust. You've already got relationship. Some of these people will go deep with you at some point. There'll be some connection, some conversation. Being incarnational is so normal. God's incredible acts always happen in somebody's ordinary space. He knows that we're living on the earth. Like we sit in chairs, we drink water, we like walk and drive. And I mean, you know, we do that. This is like what we do. God's incredible acts always happen in somebody's ordinary space. If you go home and read the first dozen chapters of Luke or any other places in scripture, you'll see, you can pay attention. What do the people do? What do they say? How do they act? They do normal things. Mary does normal things. This is unbelievable what Mary experiences on these pages that we read. But you know what she did with the rest of her life? A bunch of normal stuff. A bunch of normal stuff. She ate. She hung out with family and friends. She went to see people. She stayed home. She went out. You know, she worked. Like, I mean, she did a bunch of normal stuff. It's all normal stuff. But what made it spectacularly transformative is that God's incredible acts always happen in somebody's ordinary space. That's why the main idea is just simple. Just Let's just put on flesh. Let's just be ordinary. Something you don't know about me is how shy I used to be. You don't even know me, but I was unbelievably awkward and shy in high school. I remember walking down my high school between classes with a guy that was really cool and popular and fun and friendly. And he was like, man, you are so awkward, which is not what you want to hear as like a junior, you know, senior in high school from people that are your friends. But I was, but he was right. Like it was, oh, it was awkward. I was shy. And if God had said to me at that point, someday you'll be a public speaker. Someday your job will be to call strangers on the phone, ask them questions about their life and their work and who they are and where they come from and what they do. And you've got to talk to them for like an hour on the phone and then write a story about their life and share all this stuff. And it's all relational and it's all going to be like speaking. And shyness is not exactly on the short list of traits for that job. I'd have been like, how can this be? 
how can this be? You got to have the, you know, what? You can't be right. But my resource is the same as Mary's, which is the same as yours. The power of God, the spirit of God overshadowing. I'll be honest, I don't know what the original Greek is for that. I'm sorry, I don't have it. If you really want to look, we can work it out this week. But I'm like overshadow, overshadow. I don't need to, I don't think I really totally need to know the Greek. Overshadow, it helps us because he's working in our lives. And look at verse 30. As Mary's working through this moment, the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. That word favor has a lot to do with grace. In other words, it's not because Mary is so amazing that God said, Got to have her on my team. She's wonderful. She has tons of faith. She's a very righteous woman. But ultimately, so much of God's initiative is gracious. He just says, I have favor for you. I have my grace on you. We need not be afraid. And the reason we don't have to be afraid is who Christ is. His identity is our confidence. And just look quickly at verse 32 and verse 33. He will be great. It's talking about Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. We can be confident that we can have influence, we can put on flesh in the right way in our relationships, because look at how Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. It says in these verses, I won't say everything again, but it says his kingdom will have no end. Well, that means he wins. That means he overcomes. I don't totally know every in and out. I don't know the future, but it means he wins. His kingdom has no end. So he's going to overcome a lot of stuff. He's going to endure a lot of stuff. He's going to win at a lot of things. He's going to be more powerful, more wise, more creative, more wonderful. His kingdom will never end. It's our confidence. I don't have to manage and like manufacture amazing social skills and go take like public speaking classes and like how to put people at ease or whatever, how to win friends and influence people or one of those kind of classes. Like, that's good. That's, that's fine. But in the end, it's like, no, this is Jesus' job. He will overcome. The Holy Spirit will overshadow. He will overcome every foe, every shortcoming, every struggle. Christ's our confidence. And we have these authentic but vulnerable relationships. We have these kind of murky things. And I wanted to hear from somebody besides me. Dan Mival was kind enough to answer the phone when I called him on Friday. And I said, hey, Dan. I know of a passion of yours. I think I'm getting this sense of things you're passionate about. And he kindly agreed. And so come on up, Dan. And, he kind of, and you too, Megan, if you want to. So I invited Megan to participate because they're a team. So they may not both talk, but they're a team. So come on up here. I'm going to just, I mostly just want Dan to share because he's discovered his own way of putting on flesh, I'll call it. But it, really what it comes down to is he's got like a groove for helping his life connect with other people. And he's like kind of found like a, a, like a niche and a group. And I know it's both of you. So if you decide, you let us know. But I'm going to ask Dan just a few questions. But he's going to do most of the talking. And you can hear from him about his experience. Number one, Dan, just I know your passion. But just tell us about your passion. My passion is pretty much food. I like to... I, I feed people. I've been a chef for 30, over 30 years, and that's my passion. Is to, People love food, and that gets people together. So that's my passion. Uh, that gives me a picture. That gives me a picture of, first of all, going over your house to eat with you someday. So not putting that on. Somebody told me earlier I got to invite myself over to people's houses. They weren't talking about you, but I'm starting to think about that strategy. So later when I apply what Jesus said about being thirsty, I'm going to think about you. Come over for a cup of water. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Come over. You have the best water in town. When it comes to this kind of thing, I think 
part of what you're doing is being among people and seeing Jesus give them some opportunities to move toward him. Yes. And I just, you've told me a little bit about a time at Gillette Stadium, but I've never heard the whole story. Would you be up for sharing that a little bit with us? Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. I don't know if he's getting pictures. Yeah, we got some pictures from Gillette Stadium, too. I've seen the pictures, but I haven't heard the story. So, uh, during COVID, I started, uh, we started a thing called Food for Vets. So we started feeding people 35-pound boxes every week. Anybody that came through. Then we did farmers to families. So any family could come through and get food. That's Thanksgiving where I was wearing my turkey. I was the turkey that day. <laughs> so anybody could come through and we fed so many people. So when I went to, we went to, where did we go? Whitman Hanson. We went to a v, uh, VFW building. We fed about 150 people. That same day, on our way to Gillette Stadium, we went to a house, Whitman Hanson house, full of veterans. I don't know if that picture's up there. And then um, as we were there, we were talking to veterans, and then there's a family out raking the yard. They don't own the house. They don't live there. They were just there raking the yard because this veteran's house was dirty, and they wanted to rake it. So they just volunteered their time. So where we were there at that house, we prayed for them for helping the veterans. We prayed for the veterans. And then we went to Gillette Stadium right here. That first car, that mother had just lost her son in the war. So she's a gold star mother. And that day we prayed for her and she was grateful. She cried as we prayed for her and her family. And that day we served over 1,200 vehicles, food, all day long. And that's the gratitude you get from helping other people do that. And you see them cry when they're, get, when they're getting stuff that during COVID nobody could get. It just touched my heart. So now my new job is I run a soup kitchen down the street at the Faith Assembly of God, and I feed the homeless and whoever walks in the door. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Thank you. Appreciate that. So as some of you know, I'm not from around here. <laughs> which can mean that I don't have quite as many natural connections to people, but I'm wondering if you don't mind just sort of giving me some advice about like, you know, how you, how you found yourself. I mean, not, not literally like at Gillette stadium, but just you have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity where you connect people through food and end up having deeper conversations about life with people. What's the, any, any suggestions, any advice? I just go out and see people in need and I just try to help their need. And at the, Faith Family Assembly, I know everybody knows where that is. I run the kitchen out of the back and people come in and I, I have people serve so I talk to them and I get to know them and I get to know how they are. Some of them are veterans, some of them just are struggling. So I've served hot meals and some of them just like, I haven't had a meal like this since my mother passed away and they come in crying. Hmm. And it's just, they said I was overqualified for the job but you're never overqualified to help others. Hmm. So that's how I like my job. Yeah. I, they feel good, and I feel better for what I'm doing. Yeah. So just kind of a, you know, you knew what you could do, and you had a desire to help people. Yes. And you found, like, a way to pull those two together somehow. And then we work with other communities. I'm trying to help out because we never – there's so many places in the town that are working to do the same thing, but we're not working together. Hmm. So I'm working with the Salvation Army and the Veterans Outreach, and we're all trying to work to, for the same cause. So we're all trying to get the same thing. If I have too much of something, I give to them. If they have too much, they give to us. Hmm. That's something that we all need to do as a community to help everybody. Right on. Right on. Thank you, Dan. And thank welcome. you, Megan. Wow. So was there anything you wanted to add? I just want to say 
You might have to get rid of this. I was going to say, community is huge. Like, people really need that camaraderie. They really need people to understand them. They really need just that, that like, with COVID, it took it away. Like, nobody had relationships with anybody because they couldn't go to people's houses. They couldn't eat at, like, restaurants. They couldn't do all that. Community is huge. Like, I know you guys kind of know I'm a health coach and stuff, but, like, the community is the biggest thing that we thrive in because, like, you need that. You need, like, hey, I'm struggling today or, hey, I'm not having a great day or, hey, you know what, this is my celebration of I did something great. So just that community is huge. Like, so helping and, and you know, working with people is huge. It's just huge. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Appreciate hearing from both of you. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. And uh, a lot of us have trusted in Christ on some level. We know him to an extent. We've learned about him. We understand some of his plans for us. And we have the Holy Spirit. Like I said before, the Holy Spirit acting in our lives because we trust in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. And then we start to be transformed. We start to be empowered to serve somewhere, somehow. And we start to put that into action. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we can lose touch with people, right? That's what Megan was just talking about. Like, we have to kind of work at the community piece, work at that humanity relationship piece. We've got to sit there and go, hey, I'm thirsty. <laughs> you know, hey, I'm interested in this. Hey, I'm passionate about this. I'm, I see a need. I want to build relationships. Or let people come into our lives and say, I'm really, really sad today. I'm really, really hurting today. I'm really, really in need today. And then, you know, it doesn't sound, I didn't hear anything that was like rocket science about those interactions, you know, just connection, conversation. It's time to put on flesh at some level, time to live like Jesus among people. So maybe they discover him a little more, trust him a little more, engage with him a little more. Earlier, I mentioned this church in Dorchester that I wrote the story about. The church is based in Dorchester in Boston. And uh, this group of Christians, you know, they're saying we're going to be out among our neighbors. We're going to be out among our coworkers. We're going to be out sharing Jesus in relationships in natural ways as much as we can. And you know, maybe those people will come to the church on a Sunday morning. Maybe they will come to formal Christian activities, but wherever they are, they're out there. And after I heard about this activity, I also heard of other churches that are doing this, and I'll share some other examples from their life. But before I do, I just want to share the pastor at the table in Dorchester. His name is Josh Wilson, and he said this to me. He said, if we're going to reach people with the good news and encounter people with Jesus, we've got to do that outside of a Sunday morning church. Because that was like their moment. They realized on some level, we've got to do that outside too. There's a Sunday afternoon. There's a Monday. There's a Thursday. Right? There's friendships. There's people who would never come inside. There's all these people out there somewhere. And you might have people in your life that you can invite into this room. I think that's amazing. I think that could be part of somebody's spiritual growth and faith. It was for me. Going to church was part of my journey. But at the same time, the beauty of taking this out, of, of going out and having some kind of incarnational presence with people is that we can reach people everywhere we go. We can help other people see Christ, trust him a little bit more, heal a little bit more, forgive a little bit more, deal with shame a little bit more, find joy, whatever it is. We can be among people and they start to have their own moments where they say, how can this be? I'm pondering, I'm perplexing, and that's the spiritual step forward if they're pondering and perplexing something. Another one of these churches real quickly, because I, after I wrote the story about the table in Boston, I came across a couple others, so i just share with you. One is Hope Church in Knoxville, which is interesting because it's my hometown. So it's, you know, Tennessee, it's church central, you know, plenty of churches. And that's part of the, the, the Hope Church in Knoxville realizes that's part of what God's kingdom. But 
they've got people who are just like movie lovers and they get these people together in the backyard, put up a sheet, I guess, with a projector and they just have like a time for movie lovers to come hang out together. But out of those relationships come spiritual conversations. Another guy there gets people around a fire pit who live on a street, a bunch of guys sit around a fire pit hanging out, just having, talking about life. It's not a Bible study. You know, they're just hanging out, having life together, but things come up. There's another church in Kentucky called The Grove and they decided they wanted to take this trailer put all this fun stuff on a trailer and then they hook it up to a truck and they just drive around their small town in Kentucky. And what they do is they find out that a community organization or a neighborhood association or somebody's having a block party and the people at the Grove get in touch and say, hey, can we make your block party better? And like, we've got a portable grill, we've got a bounce house, we've got tables, we've got chairs, we've got all this stuff. It's on the trailer, we'll just drive up if you don't mind. We can, you, you can use all of it, you know, and it's, we'd love to do that for you people who's going to turn that down they're like yeah absolutely they got these block parties they do all these things they add to the fun of these organizations you can absolutely make disciples on a sunday morning but some of that discipleship some of those people taking a step toward jesus is going to happen somewhere out there somewhere this week for you it's an opportunity for me it's an opportunity and i invite you to pray with me we can Thank the Lord for what he's done for Dan and Megan and their lives. And I know all of you could share your own stories too. I think you could. But let's take a moment and pray together and see if we can have even more stories this week, even more moments that start out with being thirsty or being human. Let's pray. Father, you are always doing something. And you know that you're up in heaven and you're on your throne and you're worthy of all praise and glory and honor and there are elders falling around you, worshiping you and people singing your praises and angels saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and who was and who is to come. But there are also times when you see us here all throughout the earth and your eyes look around and you see people and you say, I'm gonna set up a moment for that person. I'm gonna set up a moment for that person. You did it with Jesus and the woman at the well you do it with these churches that I've talked about that are close to us and far from us. You do it outside of Gillette Stadium, and you can do it here on our streets and our families and our pools and at our beaches and all the rest. You can be here with us this week with whatever we're doing, whether it's work or fun. And so we ask this week that you'd help us to navigate this. We're all in the middle of it somewhere. It's not as if none of us have ever tried to have a conversation with people. We've all done it. And there's also moments in our, our lives where some of our hearts are going, I don't know how this is going to happen. I can't imagine this happening. But that's where I pray that for each one of us, whether we're aware of what's next or sure how to do it or not sure how to do it, what I rely on and what I'm confident in is that you are the Christ whose kingdom has no end. And you are the Holy Spirit who can overshadow us, who can be active in our lives long enough so that we see somebody who starts to open up and starts to talk to us. We see somebody who has help that we can offer, or we see somebody who, that we can build bridges instead of walls between us and them and start to build a relationship that lets your love and your grace flow. And we ask for that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.